What's up, everybody? Welcome to the What's Goody podcast. I'm your host, Logan Delgado, and I have a very, very special guest, Robert Sykes. What's up, brother? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm excited to be here with you today. Dude, that felt so weird doing that intro with you because I've done two podcasts with you already. And so I'm, I normally like whenever I'm used to talking to you on like this, this, uh, this atmosphere, I'm like, ah, just let Robert go do your intro and let's get started. I mean, normally so we normally start talking weird. smack right off the bat. So let's just start off talking smack. I mean, you're probably no, wanting to be honest. You can learn how to get big like me, right? I mean, you know, I was, I normally, we definitely do start the smack talking immediately, right when we start. But I was like, I'm going to wait till we hit that record because people need to hear our dynamic. Definitely Robert Sykes Keto Savage. Well, first of all, he actually asked me if he can have his Instagram name to Keto Savage back in like 2016. He asked my permission. He's like, dude, I know you're savage and I know you're the beast. I just happen to do keto. Like, can I have this name? I was like, dude, absolutely, brother. Take the name. If you need to learn how to lift, you want to get bigger, like I'll help you out. And that's kind of like how our relationship started. Like I well, literally you already had keto softy reserve, so I had to get keto savage, you know. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I, I and I had keto Mexican reserve as well. But I mean you couldn't take that anyways. Definitely. Uh people who don't know us, me and Robert were very competitive very competitive in everything we do. So it's very funny. Anytime we're together, we, we got to have our pose off. Although if he was here next to me today, I, I, we definitely would not do that. I just saw your, your uh, physique update lately looking good. I don't know if you're 15 to 16%. You, you look a little bit less than that, but I, I can definitely. I that's weird. Uh, I, I've gotten a DEXA scan. I got a DEXA when I was with Jamie and Ben and it, it, I think it was like 16.9. It's weird though. Like my 15 to 17% definitely looks leaner than most people's 15 to 17%, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. My, I, don't know why, my, I don't know why that is. You definitely don't look. I was going to say, when I saw that today, I was like, no, he, he's, yeah, you definitely don't look it. So, all right, before we get started, man, let, let the people know a little bit about you and uh, who you are and a little bit about your backstory. Yeah, man. So I am Robert Sykes, Keto Savage on social and online. Basically, I'm a natural competitive bodybuilder, been doing bodybuilding for, I guess, 14, 15 years now. Started doing it in 2007 or eight, I believe, as a junior in high school. Did a traditional carbohydrate-based diet, you know, eating six, seven meals a day, um, every two or three hours, lots of high carbs, high protein, low fat. Lost, I bulked up to 230 pounds, did my first show, competed at 150, I lost like 80 pounds in 12 weeks. And then that, I looked really great, I won the show, but that's kind of what led to my disordered eating tendencies, which just was a negative downward spiral from there. And I was looking for a more sustainable approach to nutrition, stumbled upon the keto diet by accident in 2015. And uh, use that for my 2017 competition prep where I earned my pro card status. And I've been strict keto for the past seven plus years, just kind of refining and polishing that ketogenic prep protocol. That's pretty much me in a nutshell. We made Keto Brick. Uh, we got several different brand, brands and businesses uh, that my wife and I have built alongside one another. So all kinds of different things in my ecosystem when you start diving into it. Yeah. And, you know, and most people who know us already, they know about the keto. They know about the bodybuilding. They, they know that about us. What I, what I want to dive into into today is like, I want to talk more about your business and your entrepreneurship and like what made you get into that and the ups and downs. Because as you know, being a business owner, it's tough, man. Like bio coach right now where we're at, like there's, there's days that we're like on a absolute high. Like we're just like, dude, we're going to change the world. This is going to be epic. Like I cannot wait to release this. And then there's days where you just get some bad news and you're like, this may all come crashing down tomorrow. And I don't know where we're going to go. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's so many emotions. And I want to know from you, how did keto brick get started? And the ups and downs and, and things like that. I want I want to hear the backstory and not just the good stuff because obviously everybody knows where you're at now. Like I do, I love Keto Brick. It's amazing. I think where you've where you've come, where you started at, where you started and where you're at today, it's like it's mind blowing. And I, I've told you this before, dude. Like you're definitely very motivating, not only through like obviously physique and bodybuilding. Like the days that I didn't want to train, days that. I didn't want to work out or follow my diet. I'm like, Robert, Robert wouldn't do this. I got to be Robert. I got to, I got to beat him. <laughs> I can't let him beat me. Never outworked. But then also like business wise, you know, like starting a business and just like, I've always known you as like, just a head down, keep your head down, keep quiet and just let, let the action speak. But tell me, tell me about Kittlebrick and like how that all got started. 
Yeah, man. Well, I, first of all, I appreciate the, the kind words, man. So I, when I graduated college, we'll kind of start there. Um, I graduated with a business degree and then I did this like, um, uh, I did this, I went to one of those career fairs that have at different colleges and I got an interview. I got a foot in at uh, Burlington, Northern Santa Fe, which is the railroad. So I went through their whole interview process. It was a pretty lengthy process. There's a you know a lot of a lot of people wanting for that job. Uh, so I went through that whole process, got the job, and I had like six months worth of training that took place in Texas and Kansas. And then I was stationed in Spokane, Washington, which is actually where I met Crystal. But I was a terminal train master, so I was basically the the front line supervisor or manager to all the engineers and conductors going in and out of Spokane. Um, Washington. I did that for about two and a half years and I just was not passionate about it. I knew that that was not what I wanted to be doing long term. I was always interested in business all throughout that time, uh, you know, with the railroad and before I was trying to like build some online business. I was trying to, I read four hour work week by Tim Ferriss and that was my first eye opening moment of like, look, this is something I can do from a computer from anywhere. Uh, so I started doing like, I tried to make a drop shipping business, selling backpacks, knives and flashlights and outdoor gear. And that didn't really take hold. Uh, I started all these random odds and end jobs. Nothing really stuck. And then I got into real estate. I thought I was going to make my money passive income with re- rental properties. So while I was a train master with the railroad, I got my real estate's license. And I was trying to like make it in real estate as an agent in Washington. But I didn't know anybody in Washington because I didn't have family there. And like I just moved there. And it's kind of hard to be a successful real estate agent if you don't know anybody. Cause it's all about connections and networking. And uh, the railroad, I don't think the railroad liked the fact that I was trying to do something outside of the railroad. And they How basically they know? could they tell? I don't know. I don't know if they actually found out about that, if this was just kind of happenstance. But for whatever reason, they gave me a promotion. Like I was doing really good with the railroad. Like I was I wasn't like none of my duties were slacking or anything. I was kicking butt. But they gave me a promotion to go to Gillette, Wyoming in no man's land. Uh, They gave me a pay bump. They gave me like a, you know, better promotional opportunity with that. But if I had moved, then I would have lost everything I just done in real estate. Like I, I wouldn't have an active real estate license in you know Gillette, Wyoming. So it just seemed like not the direction that I wanted to go. So I said, no, screw that. I'm just going to do my own thing. And right before that whole thing went down, I, I put an offer in on a fourplex. I was going to use the money I was making with the railroad to buy small rental income property, like a you know a fourplex, and rent that out. So I had that offer on the table. Uh, I had the promotion on the table. I skipped the promotion and said, I'm not going to do, I'm going to do my own thing. It was kind of like a do the promotion or don't work for the railroad kind of thing. That's how the railroad pretty much works. Like they want you to go a certain way. They don't want you to start a family. They want you to like just be a slave to that, that company. And I said, no, I'm going to do my own thing. So I quit the railroad. Uh, and then when I quit the railroad, I lost all the, the, you know, my, my salary. So I did not, I wasn't approved for that loan for the fourplex anymore. So I was no money. Uh, not approved for the real estate loan anymore and just totally broke and in debt with no no plan B. I wound up using my credit card to buy groceries and gas. Before I knew it, I was I had bought a house when I moved to Washington, so I had the house payment, didn't have any money coming in. I wound up getting like quarter million dollars in debt and was pretty like pretty lost, pretty depressed. Started working odd in jobs. I was working the front desk at a gold's gym. I was working doing remote accounting work for my buddy in Arkansas, doing all these random things to make ends meet, doing yard work. And uh, I, I was just really depressed one day. I'm like, you know what? What can I do to offer value to this world? What is something that I'm passionate about? What is something that I enjoy doing? And, you know, health, fitness, nutrition just kept coming to top of mind. I just started dabbling in keto at that point, too. So everything kind of happened simultaneously. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make something called Keto Savage. And I'm going to teach people about the ketogenic diet and bodybuilding. And I wrote a book, uh, my first book. I wrote it, like, I put my head down for, like, months wrote that book and published it, published my website, ketosavage.com, published all this stuff, published my coaching. I thought I was going to be just a millionaire overnight, you know, and uh, nobody bought my book. Nobody signed up for coaching. <laughs> nobody did anything. I felt pretty defeated, but I just kept chipping away at that. I started putting stuff on Instagram. I listened to a Gary Vaynerchuk podcast. He's like, man, content, content, content. So I started making podcasts, started making Instagram posts, started a YouTube channel, started documenting all this stuff. And then lo and behold, I started getting some traction coming in, started getting some momentum. I started doing uh, my 2017 prep. I was looking for a food product. So I made keto brick kind of for my own personal consumption needs. But I was documenting this whole journey on YouTube at the time. And people kept asking about this brick. They're like, man, what is this thing? What's the recipe? Where can I buy this? And I'm like, ah, it's nothing. I'm just going to, you know, use this for my prep endeavors. But my mom, who's probably one of my three YouTube subscribers at the time, was like, man, people keep asking about this brick, Robert. You got to sell this. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll try and sell it. So Crystal, who's my girlfriend and wife now, 
we just rolled up our sleeves and started diving into the wonderful world of food production, man. And the rest is history. We started making this thing out of our kitchen. We started leasing a commercial kitchen space. We started buying these ingredients, having them shipped here. Our, our whole living room was like racks of packaging materials, tape, boxes, ingredients. And uh, we, the first time we made a production batch, we drove three hours to the commercial kitchen space, stayed up all night long, made 142 bricks one at a time by hand, mixing them with a fork and a measuring cup. That was our first production run. And we put those on the website and they sold out in like two minutes. And we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, man, I don't know what just happened, but we're going to keep doing this. And that's exactly <laughs> what we did. We just kept going up from there. That's pretty much Dude, that, out. that is, that is insane. I want to, I want to go back to, okay. So, because that's pretty crazy, man. Like you, you know, to quit a job, which it sounded like you're making pretty good money. Yeah, I was making, I don't remember what I was making, but I mean, it was right out of college, man. I think I was like right under six figures right out of college. So a lot better than the and average. And this is like, and this is like, what, what year is this? I graduated college 2014. Okay, damn. Dude, you're yeah. so young. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was, yeah, dude. Yeah. So that's like 22, 23, I guess, something like yeah, that. That's pretty damn good. And yeah, like, and I've heard stories, like obviously you hear a little bit in the news lately too, with the railroad commission and what they're doing to their people right now. And you know, they're oh like, yeah, it's, it's jacked up, man. Like a lot of people are leaving the rail. Like they took away the pensions. Like it's just yep. it's and, not and necessarily sick days as well. Like, like yeah. yeah, I don't even think they can have sick days. Is what I've I've heard recently. Is like they just want to be able, to like, hey, can I take a sick day and still get paid? And it's like nah, like you know. But again, like you know, the railroad they have so much power. Like <laughs> they pretty much built America, and they got so much of that old power. Like they're, and they're just never gonna they're never gonna change. Like who's gonna stop them? It's like. Yeah, there's such a there's such a powerhouse. So that's wild, man. And that's and I didn't know that you were, you know, getting into real estate or like wanted to get into real estate. I know that's something that, I, you know, I've always have had an interest in, you know, cause it's like one of those things like, you know, like once you just get your first property, it's probably the hardest thing. And then you just keep building from there. And the thing about real estate, like as long as you're in a decent location, it's never going to go down. It's mm -hmm. never going to go down. And it's always going to have some type of value. And it's most likely always going to be go up. You know, when we bought, this house, we got so lucky, dude. We got so lucky. We bought this house in 2020, May of 2020. So this is like two months after the uh, pandemic was announced. And so like the real estate, like nobody knew what the hell was going on. The economy was shutting down. So they're freaking out. They're giving out these massive deals like, oh, free lot, free $10,000 upgrade, all these things. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Like, hell yeah, let's go. Like, this is pretty scary, but let, let's do it. And I got lucky because then Three, four months after that, everyone kind of quickly found out, holy shit, like the real estate market's not going to get affected. As a matter of fact, it's only going up. Everybody hiked the price up. So we, we signed in May. We moved in the following May of 2021 and our house had jumped up like 200,000 plus. Like, it was insane just because of the whole crazy pandemic. But anyways, like I, I digress. I, I've always wanted to get into real estate and just have like rental properties just like I yourself, uh, how you were yeah, getting no, into I it. I think real estate's awesome. Like honestly, I I want real estate to be my retirement more so than yes. I expect to lean on the the business, the brick, and everything like that. I want to keep building that, obviously, but I look to real estate to be my source of retirement because I like it. Like I, I can get behind the tangible aspect of you know buying a rental property or an Airbnb much more so than I can Bitcoin or Dogecoin or oh, other dude. stuff that I have. Yeah. Going on. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. It's, it's yeah. From what I've last heard about Bitcoin. And all that is that it's pretty down, and, and, you know, but again, like, you know, during the COVID, it, it was up, it was up, but it's like, I want to invest in things that I understand. <laughs> and, and, and I understand real estate, I understand rental properties, I understand uh, buying homes, and, and I understand like, that's never going to go down. So definitely, like, yeah, I never got into, I, I, I still to this day, I've never got into like, Bitcoins or any of that. Um what was that? What was that thing that was popular like a year ago uh, where people were like buying like little pictures? What was that called? Uh, NFTs. NFTs. There you go. Never got into NFTs. Never got into that. And I heard they took a, a massive hit as well. So um, there's no telling, man. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure some of that stuff will take hold and it's just like early stages, but like I don't understand it. And I, I don't have the bandwidth right now to try and understand. Like I've got too many other irons in the fire and I'd rather double down on the things that I know, you know, I, I know where they're going to go a lot more so than. You're, you know, Kito Savage is not trying to get into the metaverse? Uh, not at the moment, no. <laughs> now, you're, you're not trying to buy any real, real estate in the metaverse, are you? No, man, but that is kind of crazy. Like I listened to that Rogan podcast with uh, Zucks on there and it's like, 
I, I don't doubt that that's where things will likely go. Oh, yeah. So I, I would probably be wise to jump into that. But at the same time, like, I feel like my, like I'm totally willing and, and fine with leaving money on the table if my overall happiness state improves. And for me, diving deeper and deeper and deeper into like social media uh, networks that are not really my forte anyways, does not really equate to increased happiness. So like I would rather leave that money and opportunity on the table, but then just spend that time playing with my five month old son, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I do. I listen to that podcast as well. And it, I have no, like you said, I have no doubt that's where we're going. Like as a society, as a culture, like in 50 years, maybe even less, we're going there. It's, you can already see it with the Oculus goggles and people are going to have meetings there and and it kind of all wraps together like it all comes together like right like okay so for instance you and i know like america is in very bad shape when it comes to health i think one in one in three adults in america has some type of metabolic disease or they're pre-diabetic and um and what if they told you hey you don't have to be diabetic matter of fact you can be fit all you gotta do is join the metaverse and you can have a fit avatar and that's yourself. That's who you are. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. That is who you really are. That's who you really want to, uh, that's how you really look. And I can see, dude, I, I hate to say it, but I could see us as a culture, as a society going there, like where, Oh, this is not me. The rule like me, this is not really who I am. I'm who I am in my avatar in my metaverse world. And you can't tell me otherwise. I see it already. So it's one of those things. It's crazy. It's definitely crazy. And uh, who knows, man, who knows where this world will be <laughs> when our kids are, are our age. But um, I definitely see it going that way. Um, but I feel like, okay, so, said, man, like there's so much to be had. Like whenever I bring people down to my farm and like we have a campfire going and we're like looking at the stars and there's no internet signal, there's no cell phone service. Like, yeah, but like, but it's therapeutic, man. Like you can't recreate oh, yeah. that in the metaverse. Like that is something that's just like you have to be there. You have to experience it. Like you can't fake that. And I would rather just double down on that, man. Like that, that to me is where it's at. Isn't that, isn't that weird that people probably like a majority of people hearing this are like, that's, that's fucking weird. I don't know. <laughs> like under the stars, no, no internet, yeah. <laughs> no service. Are you crazy? <laughs> uh, I love it. Man. Yeah, no. I love it. Okay. So I want to go, I want to go back on the keto brick. Okay. So you had that first al- initial launch. 145 bricks. So boom, in two minutes. And you're like, whoa, this is nuts. And you're doing this all like from the inside of your home. Like your, your, your home is essentially becoming your like manufacturer, like your, your warehouse. We couldn't, it was the warehouse. So that's where we stored everything, but we couldn't produce them there because it's okay, illegal. Like okay. if you're selling food products across state lines, you can't produce them in your commercial, you, you can't, you have to produce them in a commercial kitchen space that's certified by the health department, all that stuff. So the closest one to us was three hours away. So we would literally drive three hours, stay up all night making these bricks, then drive three hours back. And there were several nights where like, I almost fell asleep. I did fall asleep at the wheel. Like I was sleep talking to Crystal one time I was driving. I'm like, okay, we got to stop doing this. Uh, that's when we leased the, the three buildings or the two buildings um, in Bryant, Arkansas. That's the one that we were living in the warehouse. Um, so we, we did that and we were there for three years and then we just recently bought our current building. Dude, that's, that's insane. Have, did you ever like have a, a moment during that, you know, you're scaling up and, and you're working with, you're working on keto break. Do you ever have that moment? Like you're just like, you're questioning everything. Like, is this going to work? Is this, is this gonna, you know, is this something I can do? Is this something I can scale? Do you ever have those moments? Any yeah, doubt for sure, man. I mean, the road? like, uh, like when we, when we got, I mean, everything's like expensive, right? Like everything's expensive in business. So we were bootstrapping everything. I never took on any outside capital. I never had any angels investors. So I was just, you know, bootstrapping this as I went. All the mon- all the funds that we made from a, a launch, they just went right back to the business. So that went for ingredients. That went for, like we weren't paying ourselves. We were losing money on this in the first several months. But when we moved into the, the buildings in Bryant, those, you know, two and then eventually three commercial buildings that we were leasing, you know, we were literally living in a warehouse. There was no shower uh, there was no, none of this stuff. Like our, our mattress was on the floor in an office room. And then we had to like renovate some of the rooms for commercial kitchen production. And like, I mean, I I talked to my wife who was a girlfriend at the time to live in a warehouse with me for three years. I mean, like I got an earful several times, you know, like yeah, no, she's a trooper. I, 
Yeah. Uh, but that's asking a lot of anybody. I, um, yeah, that's where I want to go next. Like, how did that work? <laughs> like, I, I, I'm sorry, but if my wife's listening to this, she would not. She would not be okay <laughs> with that. She's like, screw you and your dreams. Go get a job. Like, I, I'm not living yeah, in the world. But, 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 I mean, I think. But again, like when I hear that, like I think that's so beautiful. Like that is you two have such a special bond and a connection together. Cause it took both y'all to do this, right? Like you couldn't do it oh, by yourself. Sure. She, she couldn't do it without you and having you two support one another, especially like, yeah. Like how do you convince your girlfriend at the time? Like, Hey babe, like, trust me, we're going to get married. We're going to have kids and we'll have a house one day, but we got to sleep in this warehouse if we ever want to get there. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. Like, so yeah, like how was, how was that? Like, how, how did you, just from the very beginning, like, how did you even bring up that idea when the very first time, like, bringing it up to Crystal? Like, hey, uh, you mind living in a warehouse? It's, with- it's crazy, man. Like, we, we were leasing that to Marshall. So, like, we, we started the business, uh, and then we started tra- driving to that commercial kitchen space, right? That commercial kitchen space, we were leasing by the hour. So, it was like 20 bucks an hour to lease this space. So, we'd go there. Uh, you know, I'd bring my cousins. We'd all just make bricks all night long. And then I'd drive three hours back. But that was unsafe and not sustainable. So, then we were looking for local places closer to a commercial kitchen. We found that one. And we were going to, like, rent an apartment or something, uh, you know, close by. And then just live in the apartment and then do our production at the, the warehouse space. But none of the apartment companies would give me a room. They wouldn't give me an apartment because I didn't have any pay stubs because I had just started my business. I quit the railroad. I moved to Arkansas. Like they didn't have any verified income. So like we're not going to we're not going to give you a room. Um, I mean, I could I literally showed them a launch document from our our you know second or third launch that we did. I'm like, look, I've got enough here. I could just like buy the apartment for the year, but they wouldn't do me. They they, they wouldn't let me do it because I didn't have any pay stubs from a, a typical job. This is like. Things that little things that frustrate me because the world's not set up to success for small business owners. They make it very hard to be successful. So I just said, well, screw it then. We're going to just live in the warehouse. And that's exactly what we did. I talked Crystal into it. There was no shower in this warehouse. So there was two toilets. I wound up for the first eight months, we would drive to a Planet Fitness, use their shower. Like I was training at the warehouse because we had like our free weights and stuff. And then we would drive to Planet Fitness, walk in with a towel, use the shower and then leave. We wouldn't grab any of those Tootsie Rolls or anything at the end of the door, but we, we did use their shower. And then uh, that's what we did for eight months. And then eventually after that, I tore out one of the toilets and then I built this shower above the drain pipe that the toilet was sitting on. I built this shower out there. That's what we did. And we, did, we lived there for, for three years, man. Dude, and then, that uh, is... Yeah, I don't know how I talked her into that. I mean, there was like, <laughs> like there was, uh, there was no, when you don't have a kitchen, that's, that's a tricky thing too, because there's no dishwasher. You know, like you do the dishes, you cook your food. What do you do? What do you do with the dishes? So we would have to... I had this cart and then I would carry these dishes to the other building uh, where, where our commercial kitchen space was. And then we would do our dishes. There was no oven. So we had like a microwave. I mean, just like things that people don't, things that people take for granted that have a normal kitchen, normal bathroom. Well, you're living in a warehouse. You don't have any of that stuff, you know? <laughs> dude, that is, dude, that's nuts. That's awesome, man. That is, that is so crazy. But, and now like, look at you now. Like, I mean, you, you guys have, rock and rolled and it's just uh it's it's a crazy thing yeah man i, I don't know if my wife would have I, I do know i do know my wife said you live in the warehouse i'll i'll find somewhere i'll find a guy that will <laughs> that will have an apartment and then call me when you when you figure that out uh just kidding babe. i know you'd come with me um man dude that is uh that's it crazy. was not all sunshine and rainbows though man like crystal and i had many a, a night a long night where like pretty heated arguments not because she was disagreeing not because she was disagreeing with what I was doing. Like she was totally in support of that. But we had so many arguments then because like there are certain things that she wanted, certain things that I wanted. And none of those things were happening because we just weren't in a place to make those happen. Like we weren't in a place to have kids. We weren't in a place to have, you know, like a, a normal foundation. And is, go ahead. No, no. Yeah. Is that, is that, yeah. Was that, is that part of it? Was that part of the arguments? Like was the, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of ready to settle down. I'd like to have a kid and, Obviously, like yeah, this is that. not the ideal spot, or or like, were there any arguments about the direction of the brand and and where you're going, and you know, not so much the direction of the brand. The arguments mostly stem from like me thinking that she wasn't happy because I wasn't giving her the life that I knew she deserved. She was happy, like she was totally content in, in living out that chapter. But I was beating myself up. That's what I do. Like I beat myself up when I feel like I'm not giving her what she deserves. Cause she was a trooper throughout that whole time. And here I am asking her to live in a warehouse for three years. So I felt like a failure as a, as a boyfriend, as a husband, as like a provider, as a leader. 
And it was just hard, man. So like, that's where pretty much any argument stemmed from. Like there was never any issue as to like knowing that we were on a path that we felt good about. Like we, we got emails every single day about people that had improved their health via things that we had taught them how to do. Everybody was passionate about the bricks or enjoyed eating the bricks. So all of that felt right. But just like being broke still, working my ass off, there was no family time. Like I would literally, since I lived in the warehouse, I woke up at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, got on the computer, made bricks, did whatever I had to do. And then I did that until like 10 p.m. or so. Like there was no dates, there was no family time, there was no enjoyment, you know? So there was, there was no love life at all there. Yeah, man. And then, then you got to a point where you started hiring employees. And I want you to tell me about that because I know that changes a lot of things. I know when, when it was just me and Matt and Alex, you know, which is, uh, Alex is, uh, you know, for people who don't know, it's, it's Matt's uh, wife. It was just us three. And it's like, we're, we're doing everything. And then it's, it's completely different when you start hiring staff members. And then it's like, these people have families. And now they're now depending on this company. And that alone is stressful. And I know for Matt, that's like, that was one of his biggest things that kept him up at night is like, man, I got, not only do I have my family depending on me, but I have other people's family depending on what we do with this company. And I want you to tell me about that. And because, you know, when I first met you, I didn't think you had any employees. Like you said, I think it was, like you said, it was just you and your cousin. And now I see your crew at every expo. There is, you know, the whole keto brick. Everyone knows you as the, as you guys, as the keto brick crew. And so it's like, it's, it's, it's wild to think, you know, when I first talked to you, it's just you making these bricks, you know, out of your kitchen to now you're employing people and their families. Like to tell me how that responsibility feels and how everything kind of changed and how you got to that point. Man, having employees, having a workforce is like one of the most fulfilling and also one of the most stressful aspects of business. Like, like people have personalities, right? And some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Like I've had some really, you know, rough employees in the past and we didn't jive well. Like they didn't, they didn't get behind what I was trying to do. I didn't get behind their attitude, you know, and I've had some many of hard, many hard conversation, many, a time where I had to let somebody go and it was just, it's just rough. Like I don't like being the guy that fires people, but sometimes you got to be that person. So that there's been some pretty tough times in that regard. But I mean, at the same time, like having people that do buy into the message that do want to be a part of this, that want to get involved. I mean, it's, the, it's awesome. And like be, to be able to provide them a safe place to come in where they enjoy working, where they're compensated fairly, where they have like an, a culture and an atmosphere that they're proud to get behind. Like that is something that I'm really, really proud to do. The fact that they also have families too, definitely adds a lot of stress. I mean, I've had multiple people move across States with, you know, like when we had Brandon working with us, he had, uh, you know, five kids and his wife move across from Virginia to work with us. The Kevin, the manager we got now, he quit the railroad. He was working with the UP. So a different railroad, but he quit the railroad after working with them for 13, almost 14 years brought his wife and four girls from Nebraska to Arkansas uh, to work for me. You know, like there's a lot of weight that comes with that. And I, I'm honored that they put that faith into me and I want to do right by them. But yeah, that, that's definitely a weight that I carry on my shoulders at all times for sure. Yeah, man, it's so important for people to listen to this. If you're starting a business or not, not even starting a business, just like having your life, the right energy, the right vibes. You know, you've heard me say this many times, like vibes don't lie. You know, you can instantly tell if, you're going to click with somebody or not in the first minute, two minutes. I, I can, like I can instantly like, I like this guy's energy. I like this guy's vibes. Like definitely we'll keep this guy in my circle. But at the same time, you got to be very careful about who you let in your life, who you let in your daily activities. Cause one negative person will drag not only you down, but the whole entire team down just by the negative vibes and neg the negative energy that that person brings. And it, it, it it's so important. And like, well, I would want to go back and like, you know, talking on about, you know, that one maybe employee that you just like, hey, we just didn't connect. We just didn't have the right values. We, we didn't have the same values. We didn't have the same work ethic. Like, how does, how does that happen? Like, how do you go and hire that person and not see that in the beginning? Like, is that frustrating tough, on man. your part? Yeah. And like, like I, I always take full responsibility. Like I've got a extreme ownership, Jonko style mentality with it. Like it's always my fault. Like if they don't work out, then it's something I did wrong. Like I didn't have the right leadership towards them. Like it's always my fault. So let me just preface this conversation with that. But yeah, there's times where like we've brought somebody on and like anybody could put forth, a not anybody, but a lot of people can put forth a really, really good interview, say all the right things. 
And oftentimes you don't see those true colors until, you know, six months has passed. You know, after after enough times passed, you can kind of see if I mean, people just like get, like anytime you start a new job, you get excited about it. You're excited about the opportunity. You're excited about the change of scenery, especially if you're moving any, any distance. But then after six months, you know, like, are they still there for the right reasons? Are they there just to collect a paycheck? Are they there because they're passionate about the the culture, the vibe, the meaning, the uh, the overarching theme of the company? Like a lot of that stuff starts surfacing after several months of being there. And, you know, that's tricky, man. Like I. I hired one guy a while back and he was a, an ex-con, you know, I didn't let that stop me because I wanted to provide him a safe place to work. I wanted to provide him a, uh, you know, positive environment. So I wanted to be a leader for him, uh, a positive role model. So I poured a lot into him man. like I, I put forth a lot of energy trying to help him with things that like were totally beyond what I needed to do as an employee. Like I was teaching him how to, like he was locked up when most people learn how to balance, you know, their budget, you know, control their finances. So I was taking time out of my day to like teach him how to do these things. And then one day he just like totally went south on me, you know, and like said a bunch of nasty things. And I mean, I, I can't control that stuff. Uh, I blame myself for it with, with everything, but you know, sometimes things like that happen and you just take it personally. I take it personally, but I just got to try and have a stoic mindset with it all and just do right by the people that are here and I am very much so a type of person that I don't like to let things fester. So like if there's something that's not sitting well with me, then I would just, you know, bring those people in, talk, have a face-to-face, eye-to-eye conversation, and then get that all on the table. And a lot of people aren't like that. Like a lot of people do not do well. I don't like controversy, but I would rather have a controversial, uh, hard conversation, but then just clear the air and then let it let it fix because of that being air being cleared, then just sit there and let things fester. So for people that like to let things fester, they're probably not going to jive well with me. Yeah. And, you know, when you let things just boil up inside, that is what leads to those outbursts of back and forth, right? Like you, you yelling at an employee, now the employees yelling at you and cussing you out. And you're like, fuck you, you get out of here. No, fuck you. It's <laughs> just like, you just go back and forth, right? Like, and, and a lot of that can be resolved by just talking it out, like just getting it off your chest and everyone being an adult and nobody getting offended Everybody just, you know, letting, you know, just speaking your feelings like, hey, what's bothering? What's on your mind? Like, let's let's talk about this. Let's go. Like, let's it's not it's not I, I know people look at it as controversy, but it's like it's, it doesn't have to be controversy. It's just like, hey, let's what's bothering you? Tell me. Let's figure this out and let's continue to move forward. But when you don't do that, that's what leads to those those uh, those outbursts. Like, dude, yeah, dude, me and Matt have got cussed out <laughs> by employees before. Like, like, trust me, <laughs> it's happened. But what's um, crazy is like for you and me, you know, we're very much so like like we're confident individuals. Like, we would rather just have a hard conversation in the moment, and get it done, and then like we don't let it. Like, we don't hold a grudge. Like, once we get it out, it's out, and then we move forward together as a team. But a lot of people are not like that. So when you have someone that's totally not like that, it's going to be rough. Like, they, they're not going to open up. They're not going to tell you what is bothering them. So, yeah, I mean, people are people are funny things, man. Like, people are, people are interesting. Um, and, like, learning to, to be a leader, learn to be an employer, like, you're going to just simply have people that you don't jive well with, but you may not know that until after the fact. So just simply always putting the best foot forward, and just trying to be as honest and maintain that integrity as best you can is all you can do. Yeah, it's so important. It's so in some of the best conversations that I've had with my employees is that just keeping it real, keeping it up front, right? Just having a conversation like, hey, look, I didn't like when this happened, or hey, this, you know, this bothered me. Like, let's figure this out. And then from there, it was like, wow, that was the best conversation we had because now employee X is crushing it and doing great. And all we had to do is just have a simple like, hey, just get it off our chest, and this is, you know, what was bothering us, and let's move forward. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's a very dynamic part of owning a business, and then also like company culture. I want to talk to you about company culture, and like I, I see the Keto Brick Crew, and I see you guys all having fun and always joking around and always busting each other's balls and stuff like that. It's like it's just like it's like a brotherhood. I love it. But you know, comp- company culture. Like, how, what was your like, what was your goal or what, what was your mentality when you were starting Keto Brick and, you know, you knew you were going to have a staff and like, what, what did you want your company culture to be? And how important is that to you? I just wanted it to be, oh, it's super important, man. Like you got to have good culture. So like I've incorporated things over the years that I think foster that culture and it kind of teases out individual. Well, first of all, our hiring process in general has changed a lot. It's evolved a lot since we started the company. So like, it's a lot more challenging to get into the company 
because we really try and you know do it right right at the bat. Uh, but once you're in, like we really focus on creating a, a culture that everybody can get behind. So like we do cookouts when we have a launch. Like we'll do a launch, we'll have a big cookout, we'll do team days. Uh, so like we'll do a, a launch and we'll do a team day. We'll like go do top golf. We'll go shoot a bunch of guns together. I'm going to take them all down to the farm. We'll ride four-wheelers and blow stuff up. You know, we, we went bowling one one time for team day. We try and do things like that just because I think that's important. Uh, like our first hour of every single day is we sit there, we, we come in, we have a cup of coffee, we sit there and talk for like an hour, usually about an hour. And sometimes it's about the production plan for the day. Sometimes it's about what you did that past weekend or some random stuff that has nothing to do with the business at all. But I feel like having that morning you know, icebreaker session where we're just sitting there bullshitting together is important because if anybody's off, I can tell that they're off and then I can kind of like address that throughout the day as needed. And it just kind of allows people to, you know, talk candidly with one another in a non-stressful environment. So that that's been key. We also all work out together. Uh, so like I've got the gym here on the, you know, in the compounds, we all train together. I think that's really great. Uh, one of our employees, Chip, our media guy, he's big into MMA and like jujitsu, striking sports, boxing, stuff like that. So I'm like, hey, man, let's just start doing MMA. So now once or twice a week, we clock out an hour early and we all do MMA together. So we're like punching each other, kicking each other and doing stuff like that. You know? <laughs> That's wild. It's all good. <laughs> Dude, I think we uh, – I think BioCoach and uh, Keto Brick need a uh, – a, um an employee like uh what, what do you call that where we all go somewhere and hang out um we, we need a uh, yeah. we, call, we call it like team day or something you know yeah we need we need a we need a bio coach versus a keto brick day me and you yeah, mma like, let's go mma i like do you do MMA at all? <laughs> no i would i would get destroyed <laughs> but i'll, I'll it's been like a lot I, of fun man like i love it i love it look i i've been hearing a lot about jujitsu and how good it is and how beneficial it is just to learn how to like just defend yourself without throwing strikes or you know it doesn't matter how big you are how strong you are i mean the littlest guy in jujitsu will take on the biggest guy and just outwork him on the mat and i've always kind of loved that about jujitsu but it's like everything else man it's it's time right it's bandwidth it's like where am i gonna find an hour or an hour and a half to go do that because i still like to lift right i still like to train yeah that's my thing like i i know that i'll love jujitsu like if i i haven't dove super deep into jiu-jitsu yet like we do an hour of mma two hours of mma sometimes we'll do a little bit of striking stuff kicking stuff you know groundwork stuff but like i haven't sunk into that like when i sunk when i sink into that like i'm gonna be addicted and I can't do that and bodybuilding with the same intensity that I need to. So, like, I'm not going to allow myself to dive into that world until I'm I'm wanting to push the pause button on the bodybuilding a little bit, you know? Yeah, and I've done that. I've, I've pushed pause on um, bodybuilding before. I, You know, funny thing is I got into CrossFit in 2017. I just was like, you know what? I'm going to try CrossFit out, and uh, I'm going to put bodybuilding aside. I'm kind of tired of it. I'm going to try out this whole CrossFit thing and see what the whole big deal is about this phenomenon why people love it and i tried it i did it for i did it for like almost a year and you know what bodybuilding i just like my my love for it came back right like when you're when you're away from something you know you start to miss it and and start to remember why you missed it and my love for bodybuilding just was like you know what i want to go back and i went back to bodybuilding and i never i never looked back and i still to this day say like nothing nothing against CrossFit. And like, you remember all those memes back in the day, like bodybuilders versus CrossFitters. Like we would always, they would always meme each other and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. I like CrossFit that, for three months, man. I don't know no, what you're talking about. I, what I like, you know what, what I liked about CrossFit is the community aspect of it. Yeah. At, at least at the, the gym or the box where you want to call it that I trained at. Dude, they hung out like all the time, like on weekends after their session on the weekends, they would all go find somewhere to like eat and drink all day. Just have fun. Yeah. And you know, with bodybuilding, it's, doing, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> After they did all the, all the crazy stuff, they would go and, uh, go and hang out and just like, I wouldn't say party together, but just hang, hang out together. And I always thought that was cool. And that's definitely something you do not get with bodybuilding. Like, you know, at, like we do not go and hang out. Like that's not what bodybuilders do. Cause you got other, you got to get your, you got to get back home to get back on your food get back on your water, get back on everything else that you do. Like you, you don't have time. Like you don't have time to do those things and you don't do those things because they'll mess up with your, with your food. But that was, that was one big reason why I switched over to CrossFit. But 
just something about something about bodybuilding, man. I just I love it, man. I absolutely love bodybuilding. I love everything about it. It's just just one of those things I'm just so passionate about, and I don't think I'll ever stop. But jujitsu is one of those things. Like you're right. Like if I, if I did get into that, it would take a, a huge chunk of my life because I would want to get good. Trust me, I, I do not want to get choked out by anybody. I do not want to get submitted by anybody. And I know my competitiveness would take over because all it would take is like a smaller guy to like just come and talk smack and just go and just submit me like that. And I'm like, no, that's it. That's it. I'm getting, I'm going to get good. That ain't never going to happen again. And then I would just be obsessed with it. So I think I'm going to try and instill that in like Rigel, like as he gets older, I think we'll take him to like a place to do jujitsu for, you know, children. And I think when I start doing that, I'll definitely dive more into it for oh, sure. Oh, you got to. You got to. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, so being a father now, what has changed for you? What is what has changed like business wise, you know, like bodybuilding wise? Has, that, has any of that really taken a big step back and and being a father? No. Uh Honestly, business and bodybuilding have not been hindered whatsoever with having a kid. Like I was worried about that. I was worried that I, I've always thought that I might lose my edge with business if I allow myself to get comfortable. Uh, like I like, I like suffering. Like I'm a masochist or self-masochist or something, man. I, I like suffering. I think bodybuilders in general are like that. You're, you're a little um, crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little crazy. But like, with business, like I, you don't like it in the moment, but like when I look back on it, like when I was $250,000 in debt, having my back against the wall, like you think creatively, you start getting aggressive in ways that you couldn't if you were living this cush life. And the reason I never had any girls in my life before Crystal was because I assumed that having a girl in my life would make me lose that edge. I would lose that desire to hustle with business. That's why I never had been with anybody before Crystal. And then a lot of people probably think that same way about having a kid. But, and I thought that way, I thought maybe having a kid would do the same thing, but that wasn't the case with Crystal. That isn't the case with Rigel. If anything, having a son now makes me want to be that much more and better for him. I want to give him more, uh, you know, I want to be able to provide more for him. I want to be able to have him see me be a hardworking leader within the company. I want this to be a vehicle that I can use to teach him more life lessons. So I think everything's only improved because of him. That's awesome. Um, what, you know, you know, a lot of fathers follow us and I'm sure you get it all the time. Like, Hey, Logan, Robert, I'm busy, man. I, I work, I work 10 hour shifts. I got kids, uh, you know, my, I had to get the kids up ready for school. They got practice. I just don't have time to work out. I don't have time to cook my meals, but I want to get in shape. What, what can I do? Or what advice could you give me? Like, what would you tell other parents like ourselves if they come to you and they tell you that, you know, cause I get that a lot. And I'm, and, and so like my whole message now, like on, on my platform is I want to show other dads that look, dude, there's nothing, absolutely nothing special about me. There is nothing that makes me any different from any other father. I got two little girls. They take a lot of my time. I have a wife who demands a lot of my time as well, who expects me to, you know, give her a lot of time as she should. Uh, I have multiple jobs, have a business, but I still find time to work out and eat clean and, and try to stay in the best shape of my life. What what advice would you give to other fathers like ourselves? Uh, would be a little bitch. <laughs> um, uh, in all seriousness, I think um, like all the greats of society, like all the most impressive people that we've ever read about in history books that have literally written the history books, they all had the same amount of time of the day as we do. You know, like that hadn't changed. You prioritize the things that you want to. You have discipline. Like discipline and consistency are literally superpowers. Like that is literally what separates those that have, those that have not, like discipline and consistency. So like for us, you know, when Rigel was born and uh, Crystal still wanted to work out, like Crystal worked out all throughout her pregnancy. Yeah, I saw that. She's worked out. Yeah, she's worked out now. I mean, post-surgery with, with everything with the baby. Uh, so like here recently, we started training together again. So like Ellen, our administrative assistant, uh, we're having her watch Roger for an hour so that Crystal can train with me again so that I can spot her if need be. Uh, but prior to that, like Crystal would wake up at three, go to a gym while I watched Rigel, uh, and then she would get back and then I would do some work, emails, et cetera, and then I would go to the gym. Like you just make things work and you, you don't watch Netflix for three hours at night. You don't do bullshit stuff that isn't moving the needle forward. So like so many people lose time because they're not protective of their time. I literally 
went through my calendar. Now, like I use I use Google Calendar for everything. Like if it doesn't, if it's not in Google Calendar, it doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> but I blocked out certain time frames. Like I've got a time block there for when I eat my meals, when I wake up, when I train, when I have openings available for podcasts to be scheduled, when I do creative writing work, when I have dinner with my family, when I do housework. Like I've got all those things blocked down so that I protect those times and people can't schedule upon those. And if somebody's coming to me with something they need me to do, if it doesn't have a time slot available, I just say no. Like I have to say no to things that are going to distract me from what my life's mission and purpose is. You have to be disciplined. You have to be consistent. Yeah. Discipline, man. It's such a, it's such an important factor. And by the way, that, that sound bite is going to be the trailer for this, for this, uh, for this podcast. But quit being a little bitch. That's <laughs> <laughs> gonna it's gonna be the soundbite. Um, Not out of context. So you gotta follow it with whatever. <laughs> just gonna stop that. right there. Boom. To see the rest. Um, no, like yeah, I think you know, I think discipline. Everybody's motivated, right? Everyone gets motivated. It's very easy to get motivated. Discipline's the hard thing, and that's that's the most important thing. That's that's what matters. And even for me, like, it, dude, I'll I'll be the first one to say, like, my discipline is not always where it needs to be. I am very quick to justify things, why I can have this beer, why I can have this pizza, why I can have this snack, why I don't have to go do morning cardio, why I don't have to do this, right? You justify everything. The only difference between people who are successful is that they're disciplined to say no to those things, right? And so it's, I guess like, how did you build your discipline? We, it's funny. Like, I'm going to ask you, how did you build your discipline up so much? But it's funny. We were having a meeting the other day and you got brought up because we were talking about discipline. We were talking about a challenge and uh, we were going to talk about, yeah, let's, we're all sitting out as a team. And we're like, let's do a challenge where like the challenge will be like, hey, you had a cheat weekend. It's okay. Let me show you how to get back on track. And then we started joking around when we asked you about that, doing a challenge like that back in the uh, back when we had our fast coach app. And you were like, "Easy, you don't fucking cheat." <laughs> it was like I don't, and we were all just laughing. We we're like, "Yep, that's Robert." Like Robert didn't understand the challenge. We were just in the meeting, just laughing. We we're like, "No, he didn't understand it." We we're like, "Yeah, Robert." We're like, "But what if you like cheat? Like, what if you have a cheat weekend?" He's like, "I don't fucking cheat." You don't cheat. <laughs> so uh, we were just like, oh my God, that's so Robert. But it's true. Like that is you. Like there, you don't even, that's not even a fucking option for you. So how, how do you even get there? How do you even become so disciplined like that? I don't know, man. Like I don't know when that started. Cause I don't feel like there's a time in my life where I was incredibly undisciplined. I feel like my, I was raised very, I don't know if strict is the right word, but my, my parents expected a lot of me. Like they, they raised me. I love how they raised me. Like I love my parents to death, but it was not cush. Like it was not easy. Like they, they expected, they demanded a lot of me. And I, I learned pretty early on that the successes that I saw in life were a result of my consistent work ethic. Uh, so it was pretty easy for me to connect the dots and say, look, if I'm disciplined and dedicated towards this task, you know, I will be able to see the fruits of that labor. I think bodybuilding most certainly, you know, reinforced that because bodybuilding, like I love bodybuilding because for the first time, like unlike like a team sport in which you're relying on everybody else or something like that with bodybuilding, you know, you, you can't cheat bodybuilding. Like you, you reap what you sow. And the same is true with business. The same is true with relationships. Like you chip away at it every single day of your existence and you get better and better at it. Like I love things. Like I get excited when I hear, here's this really hard thing. You have to do it every single day. You're never going to see reward for the next 10 years. But then after that, you'll be good. You know, like I like that kind of stuff. A lot of people are not like that. I am definitely a long game, you know, player when it comes to, you know, those kind of structured things. Uh, that's why I love bodybuilding. That's why I love business. That's why I, I think personal nice relationship are great because we're playing the long game with everything. So when it comes to how I establish that, I don't honestly know. I don't know if there was like a singular point in time, a catalyst to that. Like that first bodybuilding show I ever did when I didn't know what I was doing, I did everything wrong. I lost 80 pounds in 12 weeks, lost a bunch of muscle, but I got freaking shredded because I was doing like this obscene amount of cardio, calorie restriction. I did everything wrong, but I did everything consistent. Like I did not deviate once, man. I did not cheat. Like there was just pure, pristine dedication. And that was a very clear moment in my life where I was like, look, if you put in these inputs, you can reap this reward at the end of it. And that just let me know how important that discipline is. And since then, I've just take that, taken that and applied it to everything in my life. 
Yeah, you know it's one thing I I don't uh, I don't ever hear you talk about. I don't really hear you ever talk about your parents as much. So like, where how do how do they feel about your keto brick and everything you're done? And you know, they, were they supportive? And how were they about your you know your path? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got great parents, man. Like, I love my parents. They're great mentors. They're great. They're great people. They're very proud of me. Like, like when they came to the building, once I got it all built and renovated out, and they walked to the building, like I could just tell that they were very impressed and proud of what I've been able to accomplish. So yeah, they're very proud of me. They're very supportive. They don't, like my mom's keto. She's lost a bunch of weight. She never was really overweight, but she's just cleaned up her diet a lot. Of, and she's seen all the benefits that have come from keto. My dad, I don't know. My dad's kind of tricky, man. He, he's a pretty quiet guy. He's not a man of many words. Uh, when he speaks, everyone listens because it, he means something. And like he kind of he kind of jokes around with me about keto. Like I, I think he's realized now that it's done well for me, that I've benefited from the, the stuff I've learned, that I'm speaking at these conferences, that I've been able to help a lot of people. So I think he appreciates and respects that. But he's always just kind of like I don't know, kept keto at a distance, I guess. Why do you think that? Like, what is he not want to give up the foods, or what do you, what do you think that is? No, I mean, they eat clean. Like, they eat a lot. I mean, they eat carbs and stuff, or he eats carbs and stuff still, but they eat pretty clean. Like, we hunt a lot, so we eat a lot of wild game and stuff. I think, like, he's an academic. He's a PhD professor. Um, he's retired now, but he retired this year, but he's, you know, been in, been in academia his whole life. So he t- places, you know, a formalized, accredited education in very high regard. And I have my college degree in business, but I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. And I feel like he often thinks that, you know, I, I don't have the credentials to back up any of the stuff that I'm saying. So there's been a little bit of a contention there in regards to things. So yeah. Have you ever gotten yeah, an argument with him? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Tell me a little bit. Tell me a little bit. Tell me about like what's one of the, it's one of the biggest arguments you ever got into. It got pretty heated. Uh, the whole pandemic thing was a, was a pretty rough one. I don't want to get into that one on your podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, but that one was one. I mean, when I first wrote my book, and to his point, like when I first wrote when I first wrote my first book in 2016, I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Like I was high on ketones, and I just thought like keto was going to save the planet. So I was probably a little overzealous in what I wrote, and I had him edit that that manuscript because you know he's a doctor or a professor. He, he writes all the time, and he was pretty dismissive of what I had written. And you know, in hindsight, like I didn't have a lot of the authority to write a lot of the things that I wrote in that first book. But at the same time, like he was kind of crushing my passions and dreams there at the same time, you know, so that was a pretty tough conversation. He's he's just a hard man. Like I I love my dad to death. He's incredibly driven. He's incredibly motivated, disciplined, dedicated, hardworking. Like I can't say enough good things about my dad, but he's a very hard person. And all the good that, that has come from him being the way he is is a result of him being that hard person. So I can't knock it. It's just who he is. Uh, but that doesn't make – but I'm also a very confident, driven, hard person. So, like, we sometimes clash because we have similar personalities like them. Dude, that's, you know? uh, that's very interesting. I'll have to someday maybe get that, that, uh, that story off air. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not nothing bad. Like, nothing, like think about the pandemic. The pandemic – and like it changed, politics, it changed everybody. It, cha- it changed. I mean, it changed everything. It changed. And this like this strictly speaking our space, like our keto space. Let's just, let's just start there. Like it changed our keto space overnight. I mean, literally. It, and there's just so many varying opinions on it, man. Like, like there's so many varying opinions and at the end of the day. I don't think anybody knows a hundred percent clarity and certainty what's right and what's wrong. Whenever you have that many differing opinions for so many strong willed people, like you're going to have confrontation, you know? So like it was hard for that to happen, you know, with, with my family internally, because, you know, that meant that, you know, some people weren't able to see people for extended periods of time. And it just like pulled at a lot of relationships, you know? So it was just, it was just not easy. Definitely. It, same here. Like, you know, half my family was this, half my family was there. And it was kind of like, it was, yeah, like line, a lot of lines were drawn during that time. And everything, right? Yeah. And it's just sad because, like, that's the time when we all needed to be closer and the exact opposite was happening in a lot of ways, you know? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's, yeah. So I would love to dive into that, but it's probably probably not smart of me to <laughs> dive into all that. <laughs> uh, so I'll probably say it for another episode, but I have a lot of uh, opinions on 2020 and, 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 it's, and it's crazy now. It's like now 
two years later, everyone's like, ah, ah, see what do y'all, what do y'all think now? Huh? Guess so and so was right, huh? Like at the end of the day, like I, it's not like I'm saying that I was right, he was wrong, or that for anybody. Like I respect people's opinions on all sides of the aisle. I think having healthy discourse is, is important as a society. It was just, it was just tough, man. It was, and, and it was just tough for, for my family. It was tough for everybody's family. Like at the, end of the, at the end of the day, people had all different kinds of varying opinions on everybody's family. So like people across the board were pulled in different directions. It's just, it's just tough. And I mean, like, like I said, I mean, you got two people that are very strong opinionated people. Uh, <laughs> sparks fly sometimes. I love that. I love it, man. Uh, same here. Well, so my, my parents, yeah, same man, dude, my parents, the biggest supporters ever. And they were definitely scared when I quit my nine to five to pursue, you know, social media and to go full time with um, a supplement company at the time. Because, you know, all my dad knew is like, hey, you work at a job for 30 years, you retire and that's what you do. That's just, yeah, that's just, that's what he did. So his dad his did. time frame, that's what that was. Yeah, that's what it's what everyone did back. You know, you work for the city, or you work for the local government, or you work for the county. You put your time in, and you know that's it. That's what you do. And so, um, and that's what kind of job I had. I, I worked for the county. I had a really great job with the county, and um, just wasn't what I felt that was my passion. It, it was wasn't like a water works or something like that, right? Like, wasn't it like water? No, no, it was actually, I was actually, no, it's funny, dude. It's so funny. Cause like, I can't see myself doing that now. Uh, so no, I was actually a facilities, uh, manager. So I ran all the buildings in Hayes County. And so we had a maintenance team and I ran all six guys. Uh, yeah, like it, it was, it was mostly like, you know, obviously like work orders throughout the County, someone's desk broke or something. I don't know. Let's go fix it. Someone's lights out. All right, let's go take a look. Is it a ballast? Is like, just like, you well, imagine me, bro. You imagine me, bro. With the, with, with, um, my, my, my work bag and all my tools in there. And all, and before that I worked at hotels working on AC units up, up on the roof. Like now it's like, dude, I don't even want to look at a work bag. I don't want to look at tools. Like I, I refuse to look at stuff. Like I, I, I did not like that, but, um, Anyways, it, it was a great job. I just I remember you doing that though. I remember you like uh, vlogging from various different rooftops. I'm like, what <laughs> building does that do that now? You know, because yeah. you were in you were putting content um, when I was working a front desk at Gold's Gym in Spokane, Washington, and I had just launched Keto Savage. I remember somebody saying, "Yeah, uh, you ought to check out this dude in Texas. I think he's like Goody Beach or something." But he said a few things about keto. He's got a pretty decent YouTube channel. You ought to check him out. I remember that man. Way back in the day, that was like probably 2014. Yeah, dude, I was I was doing videos in my work office, videos on the roof. I mean, just wherever I just brought my little camera around, would just be vlogging wherever I could. And eventually, like as the channel blew up, and like again, when you work for like a county, like you know, there's a lot of disgruntled employees, and they get very jealous. So as the channel started to gain success, is when other people were talking like. Hey, talking to my manager or my supervisor, like, Hey, he's vlogging that during work hours. Like what's going on? Like, look at this YouTube video. And I could tell like, as the channel got more successful, that's when like the haters started coming. Right. So I started to get mm-hmm. in trouble. And, and then it got to the point, man, really where like the channel and everything was doing really well to where I started to make a lot of slip ups at work because my mind was not at work. My mind was like, what am I going to vlog today? Where am I going to go this weekend? What am I going to film? Like my mind was all about what I was passionate about and not what I was paid to do the job. And so a lot of things started slipping. And then that's what, that really was like the light bulb moment for me was like, I was like, holy crap, like I need to figure what I'm going to do or I'm going to get fired. Like, like that's as simple as that. And I rem- and dude, I can tell you exactly the moment where I was at, what I was doing when I made the decision that, it's, it's done. It's over. Like the exit strategy or the exit plan starts now, right now. And I remember exactly where I was. I was, uh, in London, England. I was in front of, uh, I think (laughs) for my England people, they're probably going to get mad at me if I say it wrong. I think it's called Westminster. It's this big church. Uh, I, I think that's what it's called. And so I was like right in front of it and I get a phone call from my job and they mind you, they know I'm in England. Like they know I'm in London. Like there is absolutely nothing I can do. Right. They know this. 
my supervisor calls. Are you like on vacation time or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on vacation. I was actually at Body Power. Uh, it's a bodybuilding competition. Uh, and yeah, it was 2017. And I'm there and he and he calls me. And look, this is my good friend, this guy, Clint, who taught me everything. He calls me to bring up this very small issue that he was upset about. And I was, I was, I was so furious. I was hot. I was like, how dare you call me about this ridiculous issue that, you know, I, I cannot do. I cannot, there's, I'm on the, I'm I'm across the world and you just purposely just did this to like, kind of like, kind of just like scold me. And I, and I remember like, as soon as I got off the phone, I was like, it's done. It's over. Like, and so that from that time I started to plan my exit strategy and that was in May and I still didn't officially leave until October. That's how long it took me. But that was the day that I decided like I'm out and I need to start planting the seeds on how to get out of here. But long story short, I did. And it was the best decision of my life. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was scary. I, I was having my child the following month, the firstborn child. And I was, saying goodbye to insurance and a cushy salary and, and all that. But again, you know, it's, it's like one of those things, like it just wasn't what I was waking up every single day with the passion to do. Like now I wake up, like I'm ready to go to work. Like, and again, like I do, there are low days. Like, you know, there's days where it's frustrating. Like we're developing something that's not developed. We're creating something that's not, that hasn't been created. And so you're going to get those days where you're just like, Oh, fuck another delay. Oh, damn. Like the coders are having issues with another code push or something. It's like, it's so frustrating, right? It's, it just, it wears at you, but it's at the same time, like, yeah, yeah, I have to understand, or we have to understand the team has to understand. It's like, we are trying to create something that has not been created. Like, so there's going to be ups and downs, but again, like I live for it, man. I love it. Passionate for it. It's what I, it's what I was put on this earth to do. And I feel like it's my calling. So uh, it's, I can, uh, man. It's, I'm in the same boat. Like when you, I feel sorry for people that have never felt that feeling. Like when you wake up excited to go to work because you're excited to make a difference, excited to make something, create something with your own two hands and add more value than you take. Like I live that every damn day, man. Like I, I yeah, there's, there's low days too, but it's kind of like fishing. You know, like I went fishing when I was visiting Crystal's family in California. There's one day I didn't catch a single fish, but as the saying goes, a day out on the lake fishing is still better than a day anywhere else. Even if you don't catch any fish, <laughs> same thing with business. <laughs> yeah. How'd you like California? That's good. I've been there like, I guess two or three times now. Uh, she's in like, she grew up in like the Pacifica area. So Bay area and, um, she's got family out there. Man, you can tell when you hit California, those gas prices literally doubled from what they are in Arkansas. Uh, so gas prices were a lot more expensive. I tell you the what, traffic yeah. was a lot more. I I yeah. I, 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 I love I love California. I want to move there. I know it sounds great. I know a lot of people are like, "What did you just say?" Again, that's, we probably have to sell BioCoach if I ever do move out there. We got to sell for like a billion, but I do want to eventually move out there just because the weather and like just the landscape. Right, you can go to the beach. The mountains. There's a lot of really pretty spots. It's just it's yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, I don't agree with everything that goes on there, but especially the gas prices. But I, I, the weather wise, it's it's just beautiful there. And I know my girls would love it. But one day, one day, I will have enough. <laughs> Maybe I'll have enough money to move out there. But uh, what's uh, uh before before we my last question? I want to ask you this: what's what's one thing that you would say? What's one thing that you like, man, I wish I would have known this before I started my business. I wish I would have known this one thing. It would have helped me out so much and would have saved so much time and so much headaches. What's that one thing? Um, you know, I get this, this question a lot. I don't really know that I have a one thing. I think when starting a business, the best thing that you can do is just start the business and know that you're not going to have all the answers. Like if, if somebody came to me at the very beginning and they had like a, a, a sheet of paper with bullet points of all the bullshit that I was going to have to put up with and learn how to do and mess up and do and learn. Like I, most people would never start a business. Like it's the most overwhelmingly long list of things that you're going to have to figure out. But you don't have all that at the front of it all. Like you, you jump through one hoop at a time. You start getting some momentum going. You just make it work. You figure out. You fight fires. You make it work. I think something that's been really helpful for me lately is that like I'll assume that I'm I'm not doing something right and that everybody else has got it all figured out. I just recently I don't really normally put much stock in like you know uh, like these self help you know gurus and stuff. Uh, but I actually just recently signed up for a business mentorship coaching program. And it's like super simple. Like it's uh like they have like a live call once a week of somebody like you know Rob Bailey. Um, I do. Yeah, you've heard of Rob Bailey. Yep. 
Dana Lynn Bailey's husband. So he's got Peril Company, Flag Nor Fail. He's got a business uh, mentorship group called Clear, Calculated, and Vicious. Um, and I've always like seen his content. Like, he's been like a decade ahead of me where I'm at with regard to business. So I've always like looked at what he's accomplishing and aspired to you know, have that same growth and impact. And he's got a real cool company coach. He's got a lot of cool shit going on in his life and business. And I'm like, man, he's got it all figured out. And I started jumping on this live call with him. And there's all kinds of things that he's dealing with that makes it very obvious that he doesn't have it all figured out. Like he's dealing with many of the same headaches that I'm dealing with. So people that are starting a business today and looking at me and keto brick, I'm like, man, they've got it all figured out. I need to do whatever they're doing. There's a lot of times where I don't have it all figured out. I think once you realize that, even the people on the very upper end of things are still going through many of the same struggles that you're going through. That makes you feel empowered. That makes you feel like you can figure this out because they're going through the exact same thing. So I feel like if I do it all over again, I wouldn't have been able to afford the group in the very beginning, but I feel like just simply surrounding myself with people that were going through similar issues, but were on a higher level than me would be really, really advantageous. Yeah. Dude, totally agree. Like hearing that, it gives me motivation. Like, cause I, I know Rob, like he's, he's, yeah, he's been killing it like for years. Right. And, and knowing that they, they have the same issues that probably bio coach is going through just in a different aspect. Like it's, it's like, it, it kind of gives you like, okay, we're going to be okay. We're not the only ones. And if they can figure it out, I know we can. So that's awesome, man. Well, dude, I know, uh, I know you're a very, very busy guy and I probably already, probably going already into your next time block. So I don't want to take too much of your time, but I just want to say thank you so much for uh, jumping on my, my podcast, man. It's a, it's been long overdue. Long over. Hey, I'm, I'm just excited that you you got a podcast, man. Like I think you've been talking about it forever, so I'm glad you actually. <laughs> two years, two years. Uh, I'm honored. I'm, I'm I am a honest. man of my word, not a man of my time. As much I, I said, I would start a podcast. I just <laughs> never said when. I you, you know I bought all the equipment, everything that you're looking at. I've had for two years, just sitting down in an office in a closet, and uh, I finally did it, man. You know what? It, you and um, your other. Uh, podcast host that you had uh what's the hustle podcast what was that other guy's name voice of a god adam adam oh my god adam yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. uh yeah. you two definitely uh motivated me to start this podcast so thank you guys so much um but uh, let please let my audience know where can we get more keto savage where can we get the bricks and uh let them know where to find you yeah, so ketosavage.com keto savage on social for me keto brick.com keto brick on social for the bricks uh, and livesavageapparel.com. We just started our apparel company back up. So Live Savage Apparel for that. Nice, man. All right. Well, hopefully one day you and I will get in the cage and uh, do some MMA together. We got to do some, we got to do a bodybuilding show together first, man. We got to make that happen. I People mean, been asking I mean, for that for come a while. on, come on, man. I don't know if I, I mean, I'm, I'm in the, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the heavyweights, man. I don't know if I can get down to the little weights like you. Hey, that's fine. That's fine, man. We'll be we'll be duking it out for the overall. You win your class, ah, I'll win my I like class. Then we okay. go All right. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, man. Well, you have a good day. Appreciate everybody listening. Make sure you hit that uh, subscribe button, leave a leave a review, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode.